seven and a half years ago, Dave, who is um, one of the pastors here at Ethos, um, he asked me to, to start leading house churches. And if you know anything about house churches here at Ethos, um, they're just what we call our, our small groups. And they're small groups of people that gather um, all over the city on different nights of the week for the purpose of, of helping us follow Jesus. And so um, there were 12 of us at this point, and Dave was kind of going around the room, and he was giving different people assignments for things that we were going to, or asking us, not giving us assignments. Um, he was asking us if we would do things, and he asked me to do house churches. And if I'm being honest, I was not excited about it at all. Like, um, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to spend my time preaching and spending time one-on-one -on -one with people. I wanted Courtney and I to lead just one killer house church that, that helped people grow in, in, in their love for Jesus. And, and I didn't want to do it. Like, I didn't want to recruit leaders. I didn't want to train. I didn't want to have to organize. I didn't want to do all these things. But, but here's the thing that I've, I've learned after doing house churches for seven and a half years, that it is where the, the good stuff is in our church. And there are a lot of good things that, that are going on in our church family, a lot of things that are going on globally around the world, but there is something about house churches that the sweetness of God's presence just rests there. That there is something about a, a willingness to open up your life and your calendar to make room for God's people, to make room for people who are in all different places in their face, some who don't know God at all, some who've been following him passionately. There's something about opening up your life each week to let people love you to let people listen to you, to let people encourage you and challenge you and speak hard words into your life that you and I need to hear. There is something about letting people walk with you through the hard stuff this life throws at you. There's something about these smaller groups of people where the good stuff is. And I love Sundays. I mean, you can ask my wife, this is like the, the highlight of my, I love seeing you so much. There is a, a joy, there is a power that comes when we come and we sing and we take communion and, and we're together. But there is a, a, a something, a special anointing of God in smaller groups of people. He has made us for community. He has made us for each other. Think about how, how God has, has used people, people who are wrapped in flesh, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to comfort you as you've tried to walk with Jesus. Think about a time in your life, maybe when, when you've sinned. Think about Daniel, a time when you've sinned and, and, and the Holy Spirit was just convicting you and you worked up the courage to, to go to someone that you love and trust someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit and, and you looked him in the eye and you said, this is what I did. And you weren't met with, with condemnation and, and shame and guilt. You were met with forgiveness and mercy and someone who wraps her arms around you and says, praise you, praise you, God, for, for working in, in Daniel's life, for, for giving him the courage. Isn't it true so often you start to believe you're forgiven by God when you see forgiveness in the eyes of another human? Or think about a time in your life when, when you were in a really low spot, when you were searching for, for God, when you were searching for clarity and, and someone encouraged, they sent you a text or they stopped you and they prayed for you or, 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 or they, they connected with your, your heart in a different level. Think about a time in your life where, where, where someone encouraged your heart deeply. It's like they knew what was going on in your life, knew what you needed at exact, that exact moment. There's something about those moments that help us believe more fully that God is actually paying attention to us. Think about a time in your life when someone walked through the hard stuff with you. I mean, just the messiness of who you are and who I am, and they didn't give up. 
Think about when someone looked you in the eye and they had a hard word for you and you received it. I think about this happened to me before Christmas. Um, one of the guys on our team, he came up to the office. And I was working on one of the teachings for Christmas and he said, Brandon, he said, I think you're a great teacher. And I'm like, okay, he's, gonna, he's prefacing this because he has something hard to say after this. I'm ready for it. And he says, I think you're a good teacher. He said, but I, I was at the cannery last time you preached. And he said, uh, you preach too long. He's like, you, you, you talk too long. You, you got to cut it short. Like. And this guy's younger than me. He's preached about, you know, a, a tenth of the sermons that I've preached. And, and he's coming into my office and he's telling me this. And everything in me just wanted to be like, you little. And... And as he was talking, the Holy Spirit was saying, will you receive these true words, Brandon? I'm like, dang it. You're right. And, and isn't it true that, that, that there's something about people that have this way of speaking into our lives, that God has always delighted in working through people to help us follow him? I have two goals for us today, and I hope I meet these two goals. Here's my first goal. For those of you who are not consistently involved in a house church or in some other group where you are just pursuing Jesus Christ together relentlessly. My first goal is that every person who is involved in this community who would call Ethos home, who's here today, would choose to take a step to get into one of these types of communities. That's my first goal. My second goal is this, is that for those of you who lead house churches, for those of you who are already in house churches, that we would begin to see what is on the horizon for us what is possible for us, and that we would pursue it with all of our heart. So I have these two goals for us, that, that all of us would, would, would be in house church and that we would go for more. And, and the way that I wanna uh, kinda help us meet our goals is by looking at two different stories in scripture this morning, a story in Acts 13, a story in Acts 14 of, of communities of believers that were just completely committed to Jesus. And I think the Lord put these two passages on my heart because our church isn't quite experiencing these yet. That there are a lot of things that, that we are doing, that we are living in the scripture, but I, I read these two things and I go, man, there's, there's more for us. And, and I hope that by showing us what is possible, that, that you and I, we would hold hands together and we go, that is what we want. That is what we are after. It's not yet what we're experiencing, but one of the things I've realized is that, that when, you, when you can paint a picture, when you can give people something to pursue and to relentlessly give their lives to, they will go for it. You know, tomorrow, our, our whole country is stopping to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. I'd encourage you all, some point tomorrow, just to, to go and to listen to his I Have a Dream speech. I was reading it on Thursday, and, and, and these words are just so powerful. It says, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. And it's not that this was happening in the 60s. But this man had a vision. He had a picture of what could be. And he gave his life. Not just pursuing it, but calling others around him to pursue it with him. He says, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the what? The content of their character. I have a dream. Americans were not experiencing this in the 60s but he saw it. He gave us this picture of what could be. He gave his life for it. And today we're gonna to look at these two stories, not of where we are ethos, but of hopefully what we will choose to pursue with all of our hearts. 
Two pictures, one starting in Acts chapter 13. Let's go starting in verse one. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Listen to this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And there are, there's just so much about this, this specific little church in Antioch. Happened 2,000 years ago that is so beautiful. The, one of the things that, that is not in this text, but that you'll see if you go back and read chapter, uh, Acts chapter 11, is that this was an incredibly evangelistic church. The church in Antioch were, were these types of people that, that they didn't spend all their time talking about Jesus with people who already know, knew and loved Jesus, that, that they were people who were talking about Jesus in their workplaces and in their neighborhoods and in their fan groups, that people who did not know Jesus, that, that this church, there was a passion inside of them, that, that the world would come to know Jesus like they knew Jesus. Acts chapter 11, verse 21, it says that the Lord's hand was, was on this church and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And I go, man, I hope that's a picture of our church one day. Another characteristic about this church that we see in these, these few verses is that they wanted God. They wanted God. It says that they were worshiping, they were, they were fasting, they were, they were praying, they wanted to be near God, they wanted to know God. You wanna know a way to, to have intimacy with God? I read through the book of Acts this past month and one of the things that I was just so reminded of is that, that if you wanna have intimacy with God, just start praying. Go read Acts chapter 10 and see if, if, if your prayers are not a fragrant offering to God. Pray, just start praying. I love that he, he, he says that, that they are worshiping, this idea that they're, they're praying and they're fasting. I think it's so timely that, that this passage is on my heart for today especially considering what we're about to step into as a church family. This church, they were, they were setting aside food. They were setting aside eating for a, a, a set period of time for the explicit purpose of, of relying on God to sustain them, to satisfy them. There's something about setting aside food if you never fasted, if you never even heard of this, you never noticed that fasting is in the Bible, there's something that has happened from the very beginning of time, the Old Testament, New Testament, all throughout the Bible where, where people will set aside food for a set uh, uh, amount of time. And there's this, this increase of trust and communion with God and intimacy with God that, that does not happen. We can't make ourselves hungry for God. If we come here this morning, we go, man, I, I want to want more of God, but I don't right now. I care more about this. I care more about my job. I care more about money. I care more about sports. I care more about my girlfriend. There's, there are all these things that I give the, 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 the as Dave talked about last week, my, my first place energy to. We can't make ourselves hungry for God, but here's what we can do. We can remove things, set aside things in our lives for a time that are currently satisfying and sustaining us 
And in that place of, of physical hunger, in this place of, of, of absence, we, we start to see if, if God, there is a space in our lives for us to see if, if God is what we really want. Now I'll say this, I have no idea how you're perceiving 30 days of prayer and fasting. When Dave first told us this back in like November, December, I'm like, how am I supposed to go without food for 30 days and water? And, 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 and one of the things that you'll, you'll see as, as you read the ebook is that there are different types of fast. And some of you already tuned out fasting because that's what you thought it was, that this is complete major. And, and some of you, God might lead to completely fast from food for, for 30 days. For others of you, it might be a lot of people on our staff are doing this sun up to sundown fast. We won't fast throughout the whole day. They'll, they'll end the day though after the sun sets with one meal. Some of you are not physically able to fast because of a condition, because of something that's going on in your life. And we don't want this to be something that is exclusive. We want this to be a, a, an inclusive thing that we are all doing together. And I encourage you not to opt out. Just because you don't want to, just because it seems hard, or because you don't think you're worthy, or you don't think you can do it, don't opt out. Don't self-select out. I encourage you to really start praying and just asking the Lord, God, what is it that I can give up? And maybe it's not 30 days of food. Maybe it's giving up breakfast for 30 days. Or maybe it is a sun up to sundown fast. God, what can I set aside so that I can know you more fully, so that I can have your heart more clearly? I was struck, I was reading Philippians. And this is a hard thing to say because it's, I'm saying it to you, but I'm, I'm really saying it to me that, that so much in this life is, is we are just so satisfied. We are so content. We are so happy. And there's nothing wrong with, with those things. But there is something wrong when, when, when we set aside God. We don't pursue him when, when there's a, a, a contentment in our lives of things without God. And I love the picture of this church. Why are they fasting? Why are they gathered and worshiping? Because they want God. They're a church that, that wants God. And I love this third thing that we see about this church in Antioch. It says that the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to them. And I was reading that this week and I was so inspired. I was so encouraged. I go, can you even imagine how incredible this must have been for all of those involved? And here they were gathering, they were, they were worshiping and the Holy Spirit shows up and he says, I want you to set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work that, that, that I have for them. And I go, I wonder what this was like for the, for the church. How did the Holy Spirit speak? How did he convey to them what he wanted? And I go, we don't know all those things exactly. But what we do know is that this brought just this cohesiveness, this unity, this joy to an entire community. Not just to one individual because they knew that God was working through their body for his glory in this world. I read this story past month and it started getting my mind going for our house churches. And I go, what if this was a picture of, of what our house churches look like? Not that we fasted and prayed every single week that we came together and worshiped. 
But what if kind of the, the true hunger, the, the, the deeper desire of our hearts as we came together was for God? And for some of you, this is that when you gather with your house churches, the way that you're living your life, man, that you want God more than anything. But for, for those of us who aren't in that place, man, what if, what if showing up to whoever hosts your house church, showing up to their house, you went in and, and you thought more about God than this just being a spiritual activity that made God happy? What if the, the desire of your heart wasn't just to, to have a social outing with some friends? What if you showed up in that sacred time that you get with other believers and you go, man, together more than anything, what we want is God. What if God looked at our house churches and he saw a group of people who let each other in on our real lives and we shared struggle and we shared heartache and we shared our sin what if he saw people who were committed to walking in repentance together? What if he saw a group of people instead of just sitting around and, and shooting the breeze, not that that's what you do in your house church, but I know that I've led house churches, we've done that before. What if we came together and we sang? We got on our knees and we worshiped. We didn't care about what our voices, how terrible we sounded and what people thought about us. What if we came together and what we wanted was God? What if we spent a whole day fasting and we got together that night and we got down on our hands and our knees and we just prayed for the entire time together? I know that sounds terrible, right? Like, how do you even pray for an hour and a half? I go, we got to take some steps getting there. And what we learned from the church in Antioch, from this community is that there was revelation from God when there was a desperation for God. That the Holy Spirit started showing up and revealing things because the people of God wanted God. And do we want God like this? Do we want a community like this? Where the Holy Spirit speaks, where he moves. Second picture I want us to look at real quick is in Acts chapter 14. And I think we'll come back to this story at some point because it's just so incredible. Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 19. I'll read it and then we'll come back and give us a little bit of context. This is the second picture of community I want us to see though. It says, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and they won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and they dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby, And they preached the gospel in that city and they won a large number of disciples there. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And so uh, there's so much here. We don't have time to dig into all this, but I do want to say a few things. That, that Paul went back into the city that he'd just been stoned in. And the next day, he walked 60 miles to Derby. Here's a little context for us. Iconium and Lystra were about 100 miles from Derby, from Lystra. Or Iconium and Antioch were about 100 miles from Lystra, sorry. And that doesn't mean very much for us. We think 100 miles, we're like, oh, that's a, you know, a quick trip on the, down the interstate. But for them, this was a six-day journey 
Talk about the resistance in the heart of these people who made a hundred mile journey because they were committed to putting out the fire of Jesus in Paul's life. It says that they stoned him, literally they picked up rocks and they threw them at him. What ruthlessness, what resistance. But I love verse 20, it says that after the disciples gathered around him, he went back into the city. And I go, what in the world causes someone to, to live like this? To put up with this kind of resistance? What, what, what is it was going on in Paul's life that he gets stoned, they think he's dead. The, the disciples gather around him, he gets back up, he goes back into the city that he just got stoned in. He walks the next day 60 miles, he preaches there and then he goes back into the exact same city that he'd just been stoned in. What is going on in his heart? Here's what I love about this text. This story isn't just about Paul, this is about the church. It says they gathered around him and I go, man, what did they say? As their leader is, is sitting there bloodied and beaten up and they think he's dead, what did they pray for him? What did they do? And there was something about them gathering around him that kept the mission of Jesus going. And this just grabbed my heart this week. I go, man, what a picture for what our community, for what our smaller communities could be. I go, what if our house churches were the launching pad back each week into the, into the mission that God has for us? What if when we gather together each week, we find strength, we find courage, we find power to stay true to the mission that God has for us? I'll say this, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever face resistance like this in our lifetime. So I don't wanna draw any direct lines of correlation from this story to our lives, but I will say this, that if we are in house churches, and this is just a blanket say, this is not true for all of us. But so often if we, if we come to, to our house churches, if we come in with any struggle, if we come in with, with any defeat, if we come in with any resistance, it's, it's all personal things. And here's what I mean, that, that so often, I, we, Court and I have led house churches. You, you come in whenever you gather on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday and you feel defeated. But it's because of, of your own sin, your own struggle. Oh man, I lied again this week. I got drunk again this week. I slept with my girlfriend again this week. And we come in and we feel this conviction. We feel this struggle and, and it keeps us. And it's like, this is what we, we, we bring to the table when we gather with our house churches. And the picture in Acts chapter 14 was so stretching for me about what a community can be. I go, what if when we come together, we, we don't set aside our, our personal piety? Those things are important. Like that we're honest and we confess and we deal with our own sin and our own struggle and we let people in and I realize, but what if that isn't the, the extent of it? What if we start to understand that as we come together, as, as, as we share, as we confess, that, 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 we, that we understand that this is a launching pad back into our schools and our workplaces where people who do not know Jesus. God has been just personally convicting me going, Brandon, did you realize you're, you're so very good about talking about Jesus with people who already love him. 
In fact, you spend the majority of your life doing that and there's nothing wrong with that. Those things are good. Like the, the body of Christ needs to be encouraged and comfort and strength. But, but I realized how little of my life I actually spend time talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus to people who don't know him at all. I go, do I, do I care about people going through this life not knowing the one who has forgiven me, who has set me free, who's coming back? Do I even care? I was telling Andrew this, I was telling Courtney this, I was letting some of my community in on this, that, that God has been stirring my heart to start talking, more freely just asking people, hey, do you know Jesus Christ? And one of the things that I've realized is that, that I am, uh, I'm so uncomfortable about just asking people that question. And the reason I'm so uncomfortable is because I don't wanna make them uncomfortable. And what the Holy Spirit was revealing in my heart is that I care more about pe people being comfortable away from God than I do having a, a moment of uncomfortable awkwardness where it might stir them to really know the King who I know is actually alive, who will actually save them, who actually will change their life. Here's why I'm telling us these stories. I believe Acts 13, Acts 14 is on the table for our communities. We need each other. Do we want this? Like, Dolly, do you want this? Do you want to spend your whole life like just going through the motions or do you go, man, I want to be a part of a community that's filled with the Holy Spirit, that is led by the Holy Spirit, a church that, that every week we, 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 dispit, we dismiss and, and, and we know that, that we are filled with his spirit and we're going to make much of you. Do we want that? Tim, do you want that? Ken, do we want that? Do we want our, our, our church to be like this? Do we want when people who, who don't know ethos, when they don't know our church family, when they come and they read us, they go, man, that church is a lot like the church that I see in the, in the book of Acts. They care about the lost. And they're people who are committed to holiness. They're committed to each other. And they strengthen each other. Do we want this? We're going to take communion here in just a minute. We do this every week. We, we break the bread, we drink the cup to be reminded that, that we need Jesus, that he completes us, that he forgives us, that he alone saves us. And as we take communion, here's what I want to invite us to do. If, if you come here today and, and, and you're not in a, a smart, you're not in a house church, you're not uh, walking in life right now with, with people who are committed to following Jesus, we have about 85 house churches, part of Ethos, that, that meet all over the city on all different nights of the week. And if you're serious, if, if you want to be a part of one, you can go to housechurch.ethoschurch.org. You can see all the house churches we have. You can actually sign up there. And you're a grown-up, like... You're, you're a mature adult. Your mom and dad aren't making decisions for you. If, if, if you're going to be a part of this, you're going to have to take the initiative. Housechurch.ethoschurch.org.
For some of you, Kayla, we put that slide up for me real quick. For some of you, you, you know that you don't need to, to, to join a house church. You feel like you need to lead a house church. God has been stirring your heart in a while for a long time to start opening up your home and in your life for people who do not yet have community. And, and, and if this is you, if you go, man, I want to lead out. I don't just want to join one. Go to this link. There are five people on our house church team and our team will get with you this next week. We will get you all that you need. We'll train you, we'll walk with you. We're not just gonna cut you loose. We're gonna help you answer all your questions. If, if you want to lead a house church, we need more leaders. Click on that link. You can take that down. Thanks, Caleb. And then for those of you who are in house church, for those of you who are already leading one, I want you to, to as we take communion, to start asking this question. What can I do to help our house church become this type of community? You know, it'll be very easy to go, man, if, if my house church leader would just start doing this, or if someone else would do this, no, like it starts with me. I go, do you wanna be a part of a community like this? Where God is real, where God speaks, where God moves, he actually leads your house church. Do you wanna be a part of a, a house church that is committed to reaching lost people, that is actually seeing lost people come to know Jesus? question I have for you is what can you do to help your house church become this type of community? I love you. I don't know a lot of you. And you don't know me and that's okay. Um, I love this church. And there have been some hard things saying today, said today and um, man, but I want us to follow Jesus. As a pastor of this church, that it says that, that we will be judged more strictly as an amen from the train, like just to confirm that that is a true statement, that, that I will stand in front of Jesus, Andrew's gonna stand in front of Jesus, Nana's gonna stand in front of Jesus, that Nick and Caleb are gonna stand in front of Jesus one day and, and we will have to give an account for our church. We'll have to give an account for the way that we led, for the things that we said and didn't say. And so here's what I'm saying. I want you to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. And there's no greater joy in this life than knowing him giving your entirety of your life to him. And I love you and I'm here for you. And I will walk through this life with you. And there are people that are sitting beside you that will walk through this life with you. But you have to let them in. Let's pray. God, thank you for your spirit that is real, that is active. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to search our hearts in communion. God, I pray that you would walk among us that you would be pleased to call us your sons and daughters, your church, that we would be more zealous for you than we are our favorite sports team. We would be more zealous for you than our clothes. We'd be more zealous for you than our bank account, that you would be the thing that we live for, God. Help us get there, Lord. Use us as a family to get there together. We love you. We know that we can only pursue this because of you, Jesus, because of your blood, because of your realness. In your name we pray, amen.